This project, Tishrei by the Rebbe, the credit for it goes to Mrs. Mira Garari. If you're a Kranheitzer, she's a 12th grade Mechanechas. She had me do it with the 9th graders close to 30 years ago, a long time ago. And I would come to her house, and we sit in her basement, and we would do it. Um, I never, ever publicized these classes. I was very uncomfortable doing it. I'm doing it this year. So I'm putting up the whole series. I'm going to do a different piece by each group. So in a different class here at Seminary Bays, I did the beginning of Sukkot. I'm just going to repeat uh, basic ideas. Sukkot in Lubavitch can be divided into three periods. Until 1971, after 1981, and the years in between. When the Rebbe became a Rebbe, Sukkot was a very happening Yom Tif. There were at least two Fabrengens during the course of Yom Tif, sometimes three, sometimes four. Actually, actually at least three Fabrengens during Yom Tif, sometimes four. Um, the Rebbe bring the second day Yom Tif. The Rebbe bring Shabbos on Sukkot. And the Rebbe also had a Fabrengen one night on a mic for Talmud Yeshiva. That third Fabrengen stopped when the Rebbe lost his mother. Now, all of this changed after the famous story with Rabbi Marlow. You met Brother story. The Rebbe was in the sukkah. The tables were not very, very strong. And a table collapsed on his foot. And he lay under a pile of people till the end of the sikh. He didn't want to interrupt the Rebbe. His foot was pulverized. The Rabbi Marlow had two feet. And the Rabbi Marlow was able to walk. And I saw him walk. It was a nest. But the Rebbe said, I can't remain in the sukkah because it's too pushy. The Rebbe said, Semaya Chrayis. The Rebbe took it very personal. Rabbi Marlow was an Adam Choshev. The Rebbe took it personally. He felt responsible for what happened to Rabbi Marlow's foot. I heard once that his, he had one operation and a second operation. They put his foot back together. There's nothing left of his foot. He had so many steel rods in his leg. His wife, the Rebbe says, Ognait Nishtak, Lemon Lang, she went into the Rebbe and she said, My husband had so many operations. They want to do another one. It's enough. So the Rebbe told his wife, Al-Tarebbe was a masmid nifla. He was an incredibly diligent man. He knew Al-Tarebbe Shechonorach, which is a very difficult sefer, by heart verbatim, all six volumes of it. So he said, learn it one more time. So he learned Al-Tarebbe Shechonorach one more time, and the operation was canceled. Not because the doctor decided not to do it, because it became unnecessary. So the Rebbe stopped bringing in the sukkah, and sukkahs became mamish like Borobar. It was boring. There was nothing happening here. Nothing. If, until Bar Mitzvah, you couldn't check the Rebbe's lulav either. So by Bar Mitzvah was actually Ches. So as children, Sukkot went to Great Adventure. It's like Pesach. He went on trips. The zoo, you know, was us. For about a decade, Tovshin Mem Aleph, which was Shnaz Hakel, yeah, it, this year is 42 years later, right? Tovshin Nun Gim, Tovshin Pei Gim, 42 years later. 7 times 6 is 42. The Rebbe turned around the first night in Shul. He started speaking a sikha about Simchas Beisheshev. And that started one of the most beautiful Menhagim in Lubavitch, the dancing all night that goes on for the seven nights of Sukkot. It's such a beautiful thing. It goes on to this day. And all of a sudden, for 10 years, there was nothing happening. And then all of a sudden, it took off like a rocket. You didn't sleep. Pasha danced the whole night, night after night. It became so energetic. Everybody came to Simchavet in the beginning, every community, and then everyone makes their own now. The Misnag, they make their own, the Chsid, they make their own, every group has their own Simchavet No one has seven nights dancing till six o'clock in the morning. No one, not even in Etisro. Only here. Not even in Kfachabad. Not even in the Kirit Chabad in Lud or in Das, in the Nachasachabad. Only in 770 Kranites. 
the dancing is an amazing experience. And it made sukkah so meaningful, so exciting, so holy. The girls don't get to dance. But I will say to you that if you go to that dancing and you participate, it's the holiest feeling you'll have in your life. You join with so many other people and you get lost. You mamish, forget about yourself. You have real joy, holy joy. You can dance for an hour, after an hour, after an hour. Two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. And slowly, even the biggest balgaiva, even the biggest, the most uptight, nervous, thinking about himself kind of guy, you forget about yourself and you join in. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a real holy joy. Simchas Beis HaShayev. Another big feature of Sukkot was that you get the bench and the Rebbe's Lulav. Um, in the first 10 years or so, the Rebbe used to actually stand in his Sukkah. You would walk into the Rebbe's Sukkah and the Rebbe would answer your brachas, Baruch HaVashmei Amen, look at you. And the answer your brachas, the Rebbe would stand on a Mechsidus and people would walk in one at a time and uh, make a bracha. Then the Rebbe stopped that. He gave it to Rebbe Harlig, Meir Harlig, Zagizut Stark. And then of course in 1991, Tov Shin Nun Beis, the Rebbe walked out of his own Sukkah and he said to Meir Harlig, the Meshin talked off Meshten Alain, as if he'd been doing it last for the first day, I got to do it myself. And the Rebbe stood from a quarter to eight to 2.35 in the afternoon. How many hours is that? It's almost seven hours. The Rebbe wouldn't sit. They wouldn't lean on his shtender. They wouldn't lean on the wall. And he was 89 years old. And he watched every Lubavitcher man walk by and make two brachas and the Rebbe give a shakal. That Tishrei, which was the year of the stroke, the Rebbe made a point of seeing all the children. The day after Yom Kippur, they have all the kids to come with their pushkas and their Tzimus Hashem hats. And the Rebbe gave every child a nickel to put in the pushkas. They stood outside. The first day Sukkot, the Rebbe saw all of the men. And after some chastel, the Rebbe asked to see the women again. There was a special sikha for women. Um, and it's been noted that by the previous Rebbeim, there was such a seder. The Friedrich Rebbe also, Tavshinyur, the Rebbe suddenly came out of the porch. They wanted to see all the Bachrim. The Bachrim used to say, you can sit in 770 two or three years and never see the Friedrich Rebbe because of his health. And then in the winter of Tavshinyur, the Rebbe asked to see everybody. So nun based Tisha, they made a point of seeing everybody. The, the children, the day Kippur, the men, the first day sukkahs. When I walked into the sukkah at 1.35 in the afternoon, the Rebbe's back was concave. He was like, like that. He was in so much pain. You could see him. But he was such an action. The Rebbe was such an action. He was so stubborn. He wouldn't lean on the wall. He wouldn't lean on the shtender. He could have sat. No. Shachar started at 3 o'clock. Halal was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Anyway, so this became the feature of Sukkot. was the Simchas Beis HaShieva. And then, of course, there was Mifzal Lulav. The Rebbe used to speak every night in the front of the shul. In Tavshin Nun Beis, they moved, they got the Rebbe's permission to move his place to the middle of the shul where he stood by Fabrengen. So um, they put the Rebbe's chair there so the Rebbe should sit. The Rebbe came to his place. He says, what's this chair? I always stand by this. So Rabbi Gura told the Rebbe, I know, but since we're making it like a Fabrengen, the Rebbe could sit there. He said, no, we stand. But because the Rebbe Shtender wasn't there, the Rebbe was 89 years old. There was, uh, you don't want to say an old man, but his body was tzibrochen, yeah? The Rebbe stood probably 35, 40 minutes. Also, Dakshanis, holding onto a seder, bending over the table. It must, it, my back hurt from watching the Rebbe stand like that. The next night, I read they brought the Shtender, but that night, the Rebbe started speaking about the Shtender, and chas v'shalom, the Rebbe should waste one second that you give him the Shtender, he should be able to stand normal. The Rebbe stood bent over the table for the whole time of that first night, the Sikhin. The next night they already brought the Shtender. Anyway, 
Now, the next thing that, so during Chalamet Sukkot, there was some kind of a rally for children in Shul. One year, Lamed Zayin, the Rebbe made a fabrengen for, for the children in the Sukkah. Well, and there's pictures of it, there's videos of it, you've seen it on Gem. That fabrengen, what the Rebbe had for the children, the Sukkah, was not for all kids, it was just for the public school kids. The Rebbe used to have rallies, okay? So now, in the, in the next generation, after mine, my bar mitzvah was 1977, okay? So, the Rebbe made Tzivah Hashem. The Rebbe used to come and speak to the kids many times, give me 10 times a year to Tzivah Hashem. But before the Rebbe spoke to Tzivah Hashem, there were two rallies. There was a rally, Hanukkah, there was no, three rallies, Hanukkah, Hanukkah rally, a Pesach rally, and a Sukkot rally. These rallies were really for the kids from the release time program. They were public school kids, would come to 770, and they would speak, and they would give them two dimes, and they would make a big uh, event, they would have raffles, and not one Lubavitch kid ever won a raffle, always the public kids won every single raffle. They were rigged start to finish. Um, but Lamed Zayn, the Reb made a fabrengi with the public school children. So we were not allowed in. It was in the sukkah, they were washed, and 10 men washed with him. All the boys sat in the sukkah, they took out the windows from the shul, and the girls sat in the house in the, in the shul, they made like a platform, they were able to see the Rebbe. And the Rebbe had a fabrengen with public school children, girls. The Rebbe had a fabrengen with public school children. I, I don't know what kind of, they spoke in Yiddish. Rebbe translated into English. Rebbe washed and benched and gave them Kedusha Bracha. He did it one time. It was a very unusual event. I was not there. But when you look at the photos and you see the children, you say, this is, how many of those kids' lives, they sat with the Rebbe in a fabrengen, not understanding one word. For whatever time it was, an hour or two, they were washed, spoke sikhis, the boys were outside and the girls, girls were in, inside the shul. Now, the next significant component of Tishrei to talk about is Shana Rabba. Shana Rabba till it was one o'clock in the morning. And um, it was probably, I, I tell this to my children, my children tell me I'm wrong, but okay, my children know better. They, not only do they know better what they're experiencing, they know better what I experienced. And it's probably even true. But, the two most packed events of Tishrei was the first Lichas and Tilm of Shana Because if you lived in Massachusetts or Connecticut or New Jersey or New York and you were a Shliach and you were a community, you could come to them for Rosh Hashanah, you couldn't come for Yom Kippur, you couldn't come for Simchas Teda. But one o'clock in the morning, your parishioners were sleeping <laughs> in most places, you understand. So all the Shluch of the Sada from the entire tri state area, they came for one o'clock Slichas and they came for one o'clock Tilm. The place was packed. It was pushed occasions where you physically could not get into the building. Tillam was quick, an hour and a half. Um, there's, there's a whole controversy about how many Yehidatsons you say, whether the Rebbe did say the Yehidatsons. There's a special Yehidatson that you say on Eishan Rebbe in the back of the Siddur. If each one of the five Sfarim is a different Yehidatson, the Rebbe actually has corrections on the Nusach that are printed in the back of the Siddur. There's also another Yehidatson which some people say, some people don't say it, I don't know how you do it, but the Rebbe said Tillam. And that was that. Meshan um, in the morning is a very long davening. It must start at 10 o'clock. But you say 7 Eshaina. It takes a long time. So the Seder was like this. I, I told this to the other group, so I'm not repeating all these details to you. When the Rebbe came into Shul 10 o'clock to Shachas, he was not carrying his Luluf. When the Rebbe came to 10 o'clock, Rabbi Meir Harlech, the Zangazut, was still out in the sukkah giving people the Rebbe's Luluf. They would come to him around a quarter to 11, when the Chazan was holding after Kedusha, Chazar Sashat, and tell Rabbi Meir Harlik that the Rebbe is holding after Kedusha, the Rebbe needed the 
lulav for halal. So he would stop the line and would go inside. Give, he, would, he would go over to the Rebbe's place. He'd put on the lulav and he'd put on the essay. The Rebbe would, you know, we'd acknowledge him. And then the Rebbe had it for halal. And the Rebbe kept it. The Rebbe didn't give it back to him. After the Rebbe used to walk out of Shul holding the Dalmin. All the pictures, the Rebbe is walking out of Shul with a talus, holding Dalmin, and they're all on the way out. Because the Rebbe did not come in with his lulav. Hashanah the Rebbe came in with his shyness. I think he had it in his seder. And the, the seder was a zoi. So every day was, every day was a shyness, right? How to do a shyness every day? That was up on top, by his place, on the platform. And um, during his shyness, the Rebbe would have the, would, would hold the Dalad Minim. By the way, this year it's Nas Hakel, so you hold the Dalad Minim the whole halo, not just when you do the Nanuim, as the Rebbe did in 1987. The Rebbe said he's making a Shinui for Nas Hakel. And every year Hakel, we do it this way. We hold the little, the Dalad Minim, the whole halo, not just when you do the Nanuim. And then we stand in his place and do a shyness. Now, of course, her shyness goes along with our kafis, where you circle the bimah. So the way our custom is, for those who do not know, is you each day you read one paragraph, right? And you say, whatever it is. The first day is about the Abish did himself. Right? When you get the Samach, you start saying it twice. Until Samach, you say it once. When you get to Samach, you start to say it back. And you also make the Hakaf at that point. So the Rebbe come down from his place, holding the Dalminim, and this is the only, the Rebbe never doubted anything by heart. All of a sudden, he shines, he knows by heart. No one has a clue what a shyness is. Mitta the Rebbe knows it by heart. He would hold the Dalminim in his hands, in both hands. He did not have a Siddur. And the Chazim would go in front of the Rebbe, and they would follow him. They make one Hakaf. After the one Akafa, he went back to his place that Rebbe did, and something very unusual had happened. It doesn't happen a lot in 770. The Rebbe would finish the Nusach, which isn't very long, and they would turn around, hold it out, meaning, and look at the crowd. If you're wondering why there are so many beautiful pictures of the Rebbe standing in his place holding it out, meaning, because it took a very long time to a lot of people in Shul. They couldn't all circle with the Rebbe. So it made, it made a circle, went back to his place, which was on the platform in the later years, holding Dalmina and watching the crowd circle. And Debra could stand for 10 minutes, as long as it took people to circle. When the crowd was finished circling, Debra turned and faced the front, you would say whatever you would finish, you say Laman Das, and that was that. Hashem Rabbi makes seven circles. It takes a very long time. So the Debra would come down from the platform before his shyness would start, and they put a shtender right near the chazan, on the floor. So you couldn't really see the Rebbe during his shyness. And they make seven akafas. And they went around seven times. Each time the Rebbe went around, each time they went around, they were waited for everybody else to follow him. So if in a normal shul, his shine Rabbi's Davin, it takes, let's say, an hour and a half, in 770, it took two hours. Because every hakafa, and there are seven of them, the Rebbe waited for the whole crowd to circle. Now, by the way, just to tell you a minute of a shyness, um, this year, Sukkot is going to start on Monday. Correct? So in the middle of Chalamei, the Shana Rabbis is going to be on Sunday. You're going to have a Shabbos. Shabbos, you don't say Heishanis. Some people say Heishanis on Shabbos also. We don't say Shabbos. When you don't say Heishanis on Shabbos, the next day, you would read two Heishanis, the one from Shabbos and the one from the weekday. 
but you would only make one circle. You understand? You wouldn't go around twice. You just do. You would read the Hishana from Shabbos to yourself. Same way. Then you would say from Samach. He starts saying in front and in the back of Hishana. And then when it got to the Hishana of that day, you would make a Hakof. Hishana Rabbah could never be Shabbos. It could never be on Shabbos. And they do seven Hishanas. So it went seven times around. Each time they went around, he would turn around and wait for the people to finish. Then he would do the next one. So it took a while. After you do all seven Hashanahs, seven Hashanahs, then you read a bunch of pages of very hard words, right? Uh, you know, words that you never say, you say them once a year. You'll notice that you're saying Hashanahs, that the big feature of Hashanahs of all things is about water and panasa. You're davening pashat for food, for panasa, sukkis. When you finish all seven Hashanahs, it's on Sunday, it cannot be on Shabbat. Sukkot Rosh was Monday, so Shemitah is Monday. It's always that way. The first day Sukkot and Shemitah are the same day of the week as Rosh Hashanah. So if, if it's Monday, so Shabbos is going to be Sunday. So the day before is not going to be a Shainish. Shabbos is going to say anyway seven. When you put the Sefer back, you put the Sefer away, and you close the oven, you put the Dalv Minim down, and that's when you close Shlag Shainish. You understand? If you're going to be in Shul, you you, you finish the whole Nusach, you say Kaddish, you close the oven. And the custom, by the way, is to say loud, everybody together. They put the sefetetus away, they close the yard, and then you bang five times, and you read a yihirot. Now the custom in most communities is you throw the hishanas on top of the yard kaidish. I don't understand that custom. I think it's disrespectful to the yard kaidish. In many shows, it stays there till Pesach. The Rebbe threw it on the floor. And there was a mad dash for the Rebbe Zarova. So Label Groner knew what was going to happen. So he would stand there and he would make sure he got it. And I don't think he made anything with it. He, he took it, somebody else should take it. But the Rebbe used to hit the Shana five times on the ground and just throw it down. Not put it on the Oren Kaidish, as some people have a custom. I don't know if that's a Chabad custom at all. I, I don't even know if that's a good mocker. Uh, I had a neighbor, he came home from Shul, he threw it on top of the sukkah. So he said to him, tomorrow I'm going to throw it in the garbage. What I do is, I do what doesn't happen in Hagem. You save the Dalad Min Mazai. From the Essig, you make jam. From the Adasim, you make Psamim. You put it in with the cloves. The Lulav and the Arava, you hold and you bring it with Chametz. That's the minik. You bring it with Chametz. You're doing one mitzvah with another mitzvah. So you save the shyness also. And you bring it with the Chametz. Just make sure that the bag is open. Otherwise, it's going to start to stink. <laughs> and it, by the time Pesach comes, it burns like paper. So diving takes a long time. So if diving starts 10 o'clock, the Rebbe would leave maybe 12, 12, 15. And as soon as the Rebbe left the shul, they would lock the shul, kick everybody out, lock the shul. Every bench was taken out of the building in my And they made preparations for our coffers, okay? Girls, our coffers in 770 was very pushy. The pressure was incredible. And there was no benches. When you have benches, the benches block, the, it's, the pressure is less because people are being held back by physical features. The only features in 770 which limited the pushing were the tables in the middle of the show, which were made of steel. They had to be very, very strong. They had to hold enormous amounts of pressure. They would, they would empty the show benches. 770 has long, long steel tables, which, which the whole year they have a whole problem where they should store it. But those tables are put in the middle of the show. Now the say did it, I'm gonna stand up, make a picture here, make a little picture, okay, so you'll see how it looked. Okay, if this is 770, let's say, right? Let's say this is 770, yeah, this is 770. So the Rebbe stands here, correct? On a platform. In the later years, 
they would actually physically move this platform from here to here. Okay, so if you can imagine this. So the Nebus platform was moved this way. And here they put a bench. People used to stand, old people used to stand from the safest spots in Shul, if you can get there, yeah? Here's the Yarn Kaidish right here, okay? Now, they would draw a set of tables, steel tables, that ran the length of the Shul like this. Like this here. Oh, and then it came around like this. Steel tables, very heavy steel tables. The tables are they're narrow. They're maybe 15 inches wide. They're very long. They're made of one piece. Okay, like this here. The crayon decided not to work. Okay, and then it went like this. That's how it looked. The bimisakri was here on the floor. Where the Rebbe Lane, which usually elevated, was now on the ground. Hakafas took place in this. This was called this was called the Ches. And this was called the Shvil. When the Rebbe got Hakaf, he would go down from his place, walk down through here, circle the Bimah once, and then dance here. Okay? This was actually a pretty large area. I'm probably not making it to scale. Um, it was probably longer, like this, let's say. Okay? And every bench was taken out of the shoal. So the pressure. Here and here and here and here was extraordinary. This, there was a big beam, one of those big, big, hefty beams was right here. And they would chain the table to the beam, they would chain the table to the beam here and here. Uh, and it, it withstood all the pressure. Because until the Rebbe's heart attack, the bleachers belonged to the girls. The bleachers belonged to the girls. Basifka, elementary school girls, Tulbas Mitzvah, were invited into the shul to participate in the Rebbe's office. The back of the shoal was the girls. My sister as a child went into the shoal and she stood on the bleachers. Um, after the crowd became so big, it was, there wasn't enough room for men. But the girls would be, would the sing, uh, girls before Bas Mitzvah would be on the bleachers. I heard that even Amol, adult women, they take down the machitza. You know that. During our coffers in every community, they take down the machitza to make it easier for people to see. It was much easier for the women to come into the shoal. There was no room. By the time I was growing up, the room was full of men. After La Ches, the girls couldn't be on the bleachers, the bleachers had men on it. When I was a child, the back of 770 was empty. I was born in 1965. So I'm talking on 1976, 77, 78. The last third or quarter of the show had no people. You couldn't see anyway. By 1985, there wasn't an inch. Every spot in show was taken, whether you could see or you couldn't see. But until La Ches, the girls would come downstairs, the bleachers, which don't exist anymore, so you don't even know what I'm talking about. The back of the show, which now has the platform that the Rebbe sat on after the stroke, was bleachers. The girls stood on the bleachers. Beisivka had the bleachers all the years, until Lamed Ches. After Lamed Ches, they took it away from them, because there was just not enough space, okay? Now, the Rebbe Lechatchil stood on the ground. Then in Lamed Dalit, which was the Shnaz Hakel, 1973, the Rebbe allowed them to make a platform, he stood on the platform. Later years, they made a platform on top of a platform. The Rebbe's platform is about three feet from the ground, let's say, yeah? They took the platform of laning, which is a taller platform, it's probably three and a half or four feet from the ground, and put a platform on top of a platform, which means that the Rebbe during our coffers was so high. Did you ever notice the front of 770 on the top, there's a 45 degree angle? You know what I'm talking about? No, no, in the men's section. Mizrach, the eastern wall 770 isn't straight. The top comes out like this. 
The wall goes up and it comes out. That was for acoustics. 770 had unbelievable acoustics. My foot. <laughs> but this they did. The Rebbe Stender was against that fortified. The Rebbe was as high as the ceiling. It was very high up. A platform on top of a platform. So unless something was blocking you, you could probably see the Rebbe during the time we were on that stage from almost every spot in the show. The part where you couldn't see the Rebbe when the Rebbe danced his own hakafes and the Rebbe was in the middle of the show. So Erev Simchas Teir, Erev Shpinatzeres, they would kick everybody out of the show by whatever time, you know, the only way to kick them was to turn off the lights. 770 has no windows, when the lights go out, it's really, really dark, and people didn't have phones with flashlights, so people walked out. They had the same problem today, they have to empty the show to clean it and set it up, and they would prepare the show for hakafes. When you came back in, Yom Tif, there was basically no more benches. Um, just the tables in the middle that I just gave you a drawing of and the Rebbe's beam in the front and then of course the bleachers were in the back on both sides there were pyramids on both walls that means the northern wall which is what you call Easter Parkway side and the southern wall which is the Kingston side there were bleachers where Bachram stood there was a table and there was a bench underneath and a bench on top so the guys I mean there were times that the guys and the girls competed for space on the Eastern Parkway side, the women's vibeshul is lower. And there were times the Bachram standing on the table on the bench would block the ladies. The ladies would not touch the men, so they would poke them with sticks and don't ask. <laughs> um, it became an issue. But that's how high, on both sides, there were these pyramids, there were platforms. When the Rebbe had his heart attack, they worried about the Rebbe's health, so they made new rules, no platforms, no bleachers, they went sit on the floor. That lasted maybe one year or two years. By 1980, 81, those, those bleachers started coming back. By noon bays, they were all built up again and they were blocking the women. On, Eastern pa- on Kingston, the, the women's windows were higher. So it never became an issue. But on Eastern Parkway, yeah. they would they'd kick off guys' hats, ha! Huh? She'd knock off hats. Now we're a mole. But a mole. But I, I think Kings is a little bit higher. Anyway, so this was how the show looked. So there was pyramids on all sides. The show was empty. Mayrev Shminyatzeres, let's say, starts 7.15. Let's say, 7.15 starts Mayrev. Uh, it was uneventful. Shminyatzeres was the most boring day of Sukkot. Nothing happened, except for Akafas. It was very, very uh, conservative. It was the only night you slept the whole week. Shemachasteri, <laughs> you didn't sleep. Shukas, you didn't sleep. Shemachasteri, you went to bed. Um, my kids go to Hakafas now. They come home 12 o'clock at night, 1 o'clock in the morning. Hakafas by the Rebbe Shemachasteri were done by 10.15. Show was over. 10.15, everyone went home. You ate the shabbos like a mensch, went to sleep. It's the only night you slept with Shemachasteri. Because Hakafas started around 8. I'm going to explain this in a moment. And uh, by 10.15, the whole thing, the whole show was over. Maidiv was around 7.15. After Maidiv, they would announce that there's going to be a break. And people should go make Kiddush. Remember, Shemina tells himself to sit in the sukkah. And a coffin is going to be 8.30. So you people would leave. Around 8 o'clock, the show would start filling up. I'm very fortunate. And maybe also not such a nice person. But I had very good places for a coffin. In fact, at one point in my life, I had two places. I would shuttle back and forth. Until a man said to me, I was pushing. A man said to me, you know, you're a murderer. So I'd sit. I, I stopped my shuttle. I, I, I took it. It was a man who told it I was. I now know him well. He just doesn't know that it was I that he told you at Because if he did, I don't think he'd be my friend. But um, I had two places. One place to watch the Rebbe Zakhofer near the middle of the shul. And one place in the front to watch the Rebbe the whole night. Then we used to walk into shul around 8.30. Now you have to understand something very important. 
the Rebbe's leading of the congregation was with his face. Even before he did with his hands. The Rebbe's face oozed joy. And that joy was infectious. It t touched all of us. For reasons that are understood in Kabbalah, the only day in Sukkot that the Rebbe was serious was Shemina Tzedes. Sukkot was a lot of Simcha. Simcha's Tzedes was over the top. Simcha's Tzedes was so unique. Simcha's Tzedes, there's no day of the year that you, the Rebbe looked like he looked at Simcha's Tzedes. Shemina Tzedes, the Rebbe was actually more earnest. The Rebbe once said, in one of the Sikhs, that Abayim Zanigeven met in Zikh, that Abayim were withdrawn. In other words, Shemina Tzedes was more serious even in Sukkot. The Rebbe looked Shemina Tzedes almost like Yom, like Yom Nerai. But it was much more earnest. Even by Akafis, there was a very big difference between the Kafis and the Rebbe's whole face was different. Shemchas Tere. He was just, he was like Melech Basadeh. <laughs> the ultimate marshal of Melech Basadeh was the Rebbe and Shemchas Tere. Shemchas was a very, very different mood. Now, I'm not sure about the following detail. This is true about Shemchas Tere. It's not true about Shemini Atzeres. I think I told this to you. That for most of the years of the Rebbe's Nesias, when the Rebbe walked into the shul, it was quiet. Did I tell this to you? With Rebbe walked in, it was quiet. That quiescence, I was a kid, was moving. It, it was eerie. It was like, wow. It was a long walk from the back of the shul to the front, and nobody budged. He stood. Simchas my father told this to me, I don't remember this, Rebbe would walk into the shul, and as he entered the shul, the Rebbe would start the nigging himself. So the whole shul screaming, sha, sha, sha. He wanted to be quiet. So he could never start thinking about the door. In the 50s and in the early in the 60s, there would be quiet. The island was smaller, and the island was also much more intimate. People knew what was going to happen. Today, a lot of people don't know what the rules are. He would walk in, it would be quiet, and it would start singing in again. I do not know whether Shminat said us that happened or not. If, if, if the Rebbe didn't start a nigan, the Rebbe walked through a quiet shul, but it could be that Shemina Tzedes also. But Simcha stayed for sure. The Rebbe walked into the shul in the beginning of our office, and he started the nigan. So the whole, the nigan came from back to front rather than front to back. And usually the Mayas, ah, yeah, 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 the Rebbe walked into the shul. He'd walk through the whole shul, he'd go up one platform, and then in the later second platform, it was very high up, he would put a sit and immediately turn around and start to clap and dance. And the room would lift, the whole room would lift. The thing about Akafas that I remember is it was unbelievably joyous and it was unbelievably controlled. I mean, the dancing non-stop that you see now because nobody can stop the Bokhrim. It was so controlled. It was the combination of real joy and real control was a, it was a skill that Rebbe, it was a special ability to, to on the one hand manage unbelievable simcha but on the other hand it was very, very controlled. It was very masudid. They would turn and face the crowd, and we would dance. The minute they ever turned back to the wall, they never managed our coffers. I told this to you also on previous occasion. They never always had a watch. But if I bring there was a watch on the table, by the standard watch on the table, you didn't see the watch, but the watch was always there. Battle Eunuch used to put on a watch, and right before the Rebbe left, the Rebbe, he would take the watch back. Sometimes the Rebbe would actually hand it to him. Because if the Rebbe didn't give him the watch, the watch would disappear. But the Rebbe always knew the time, and he managed the clock. He managed the clock. The Rebbe knew how much time each coffee is going to be. He knew how much time he wants all the coffee to take. He knew when he wanted to make exceptions to the rules. But the, you, you usually start at the same time and finish. Like I said, they became in 8.30. By 10.15, the Rebbe was done. It was almost predictable. Shemina Tzeres. Semchas was a whole different Seder. Some would walk in. We would immediately sing and dance and turn to face the wall. Quiet. And then they did Atta Hadeis. 
way back when, they would actually sell psukim by hakafas. So hakafas took very long, but 80% of hakafas wasn't the dancing, it was bidding on psukim. It took a long time. People raised their hands and bid and outbid each other. Um, as a child, I remember this a little bit. After Lamad Ches, there was no more bidding. Everything, all the bids were given before. The same people were the rich. I mean, Lubavitch didn't have that many rich people. The same people were the Pesukim every year anyway. So they would come to them before and they'd give them a price and they'd negotiate and haggle. This, the, there was a kafas three times. The night of Semin the night of Semchas the day of Semchas each time was three Atar races. And people used to pay for the schus, either buying a Pesukim for themselves, but of course mostly you want to buy a Pesukim for the Rebbe. Um, but in the olden days, they would literally bid by the hakafas for these psukim. So it took a long time. And people would raise their hand, one, $100, $200, $1,000, whatever. All the people who were in the bidding positions, they had good spots. The Gabaya knew who they were. Where did the money go to? So I don't remember exactly, but one time I went to the yeshiva, one time I went to Merkaz Yonechinuch, and the third time maybe I went to Machnisal. The money, each hakafas went to a different, different stocker that they raised. And the Gabayim used to keep track of all of these things and so on. There was a difference between Shminateres and Simchas Tere. You do three Atareses. Each Ataresa, the Rebbe got the first Pasuk and the last Pasuk, Shminateres. Simchas Tere was different. Now there's a tape of the Rebbe saying Ataresa. Now they have a tape from Simchas Tere, which they shouldn't have. But uh, there was a tape from the Rebbe doing Ataresa by the Sefterik Vatna Mashiach. The Rebbe says Ataresa in a very low tone. By Hakafis, the Rebbe was very upbeat, and the tone of the Rebbe was like, He would shout, And the whole show would repeat after him. So the Rebbe got the first Pasuk of Atareisa, he got the last Pasuk of Atareisa, each of the three Atareises, and the other Pasuk they would give out, the Rashag, the Rebbe's brother got the second Pasuk, Hadakov got the third, it was regular people. So by the time I was going up, 770 was already established, Labavitch was official, and there were a lot of important people who got up psukim. The first like, Atresa finishes, so there's a Lusach, it's 17 psukim, there's an Avarachim, two small lines, and then the Rebbe would turn around, and the Rebbe would start the Nigan. The Nigunim of Atresa, the Rebbe started himself. And the Rebbe didn't have a big repertoire, five or six Nigunim. Every year, the same ones. Allah the Rebbe had a few Nagunim, four or five Nagunim, that the Rebbe would start intermittently. The Rebbe liked Alasela Hochoch, the Rebbe liked Nietet Nikavo, the Rebbe liked the Shia Samecha, the Rebbe had a few Nagunim, and it was always the same ones. But the Rebbe used to start, after the three Atar races, the Rebbe used to start the Nigin himself. There's a tape that came out last year that someone took, they say it's an Israeli and it wasn't Yomta for him. But I would bet money that was taken in Shemina Tzeres. Obviously someone who wasn't from was in 770. And you can hear the Rebbe saying the first and the last Pesach about Teresa. I told my friend that I had that Shemina Tzeres, not Simchas Tere. Because Simchas Tere, the Rebbe said, all the Pesukim. Someone made a tape. Someone who wasn't from. And it, it showed up a couple of years ago. And when you listen to the tape, if you were there then, you feel like you're there now. You'll hear it, you're not going to hear what I hear. It's impossible. It doesn't sound crazy enough. It sounds too normal. <laughs> it sounds too normal because by the Rebbe, it was very, it was very happy, very, very happy, but very controlled. Are you allowed to listen to it? It should not have been taken. Should have been publicized. Again, the person who took it was an Israeli. He wasn't even from. And he just gave it out, and it ended up on our WhatsApp. So last year, Simchastayda time, we were all listening to it. And if you remember Hakafis, you feel like you're there. There's no question about it.
But I don't think it was on Simchas Teda. I think it was on Hippach Allah. I think it was on Shemina Tzedes. From what the Rebbe says. So we start in the Gunim. Occasionally she has a mecho, who farats them many times. Um, and then we would start to sing, and we would all sing, and they would clap, turn to face the wall, quiet. Second time, same thing. After the second Atareza, the Rebbe would then turn around, he would start the nigan, we would sing, the Rebbe would turn around, quiet. After all three Atareses, so the Chabad added a few, the Rebbe added Numen Hagen. In Tovshin Yutes, Yutchas Yutes, the Rebbe made Ufaratzta. So the Rebbe added that by Hakofis, they would sell Vahoya Zaracha. Three times. And people would bid on it. And the Rebbe would say, Vahoya Zaracha, you can hear it in that tape. Loud, very high voice. And we would say three times after the Rebbe. And then the Rebbe would turn around. That was the fourth nigan after, yes. Shnas Hakel, I don't think he did it with Malaf. Memches, after the Rebbe did Atareis, he did the Postak in the Haftarah, the second. He maybe has committed Tzofed. I forgot the whole pasuk. It finishes with the words So Shnas Hakel, which is this year, the Rebbe said that pasuk three after he did Ufaratzta three times. The Rebbe said the pasuk about Hakel three times, and then we sang Ufaratzta. This was the Atarasis. Then came Hakofes. The Hakofes the Rebbe didn't start the Nagunim. Hakofes we started the Nagunim, which created a problem. Seven seventy is very big. And every guy in Tzavit thinks he's the Lubavitcher Rebbe's assistant. So in my yard, the Posh would give out a list of Nagunim. A piece of paper that circulated in the show. And you know, what you're going to see for the second Akafa, what you see for the third Akafa, the fourth Akafa. Because the first and the last was always the same. It was the Rebbe's Akafas. And there were times that there were two groups of people who were compared. <laughs> There'd be two different papers sent out, and that was Babish HaMachai. But, but, <laughs> but before that, they would send out a piece of paper so you knew what Nigan they're going to sing by each Akafa. The Rebbe got the first Hakofa, and the Rebbe got, I don't have much time, so I'm going to leave this for another group. I'm just going to tell you about Kitzer with a couple of that I have left. The Rebbe danced with his brother. I'm going to go through the details of this with the other group, but if you want to get them, I'll be happy to send them to you. The Rebbe danced with his brother, with the Rashag. The Rebbe had, they had the Seyfetere that belonged to the Fiedek Rebbe. The Fiedek Rebbe was physically ill. They got the Fiedek Rebbe, a very small Seyfetere, which had a blue curtain, a blue shirt, a blue mentale. And the Fiedek Rebbe danced with this Seyfetera in, in his room. They made a coffee in the Rebbe's room. The Rebbe danced around his table, around his, around his desk. The Rebbe had that Seyfetera. The first year or two, the Rebbe danced with the Seyfetera, the Fiedek Rebbe danced with. And then, Harav Meisha Ashkenazi, the son of uh, Meir Ashkenazi, and the father of Arab Shmuel Ashkenazi, Rebbe Fechabad, purchased what we now call the Rebbe Seyfetera. That small white sefetera. That sefetera is called the sefetera of Mesiris Nefesh. It belonged to the Slavita brothers. He paid for it twice. Don't ask. He paid for it twice. And never wanted it. Never wanted it. But never didn't want to pay for it. He, he, was, he was a jeweler, but he wasn't a multimillionaire. He was Mesir Nefesh. He bought the sefetera for the Rebbe. The Rebbe as a gift. And the Rebbe took it. And the Rebbe immediately stopped using the sefetera with which the Friedrich Rebbe danced. 
and started using this. This is the Rebbe Sefer Teda. You understand? The Rebbe had his own. The Rashag had a Sefer Teda belonged to the Fiyadik Rebbe. From the, this time this Sefer Teda arrived, the Rashag danced with that, that small blue one. And the Rebbe had his own. In other words, this is a case where the, the Rebbe had the Sefer Teda from the Fiyadik Rebbe. Someone purchased the Rebbe as Sefer Teda. The Rebbe considered his own personal Sefer Teda. That Sefer Teda the Rebbe danced with. That Sefer Teda we kiss. That Sefer Teda, whenever there were two Kriyas, they used it for Maftir. It has a beautiful crown that matches the big crown, Mashiach Sefer Teda. Mashiach Sefer Teda is a gorgeous crown made of a combination of gold and silver. That small Sefer Teda is also, it's made to look matching. Uh, a small crown that also made of gold and silver. Harav Meish Ashkenazi, who lived in Etisol, in Tel Aviv, he purchased Sefer Teda, he bought the mitpachas, the shirt, and every few years he brought the Rebbe a new one. He has an unbelievable schus. I think it came Tishrei time. The Rebbe, was, the Rebbe was asking for it. The Rebbe wanted it to arrive on time. And as soon as that Sefer arrived, the Rebbe stopped using the Sefer Teda the Rebbe used, and he started using this Sefer Teda. You could legitimately call that Sefer Teda the Rebbe's own. The Rashag and the Rebbe used to hold the Sefer Teda in their left hand. And they placed their right hand on each other's respective shoulders. They danced a, a place of a place in a circle. And the Rashag used to look at the ceiling, straight up. It was, I, it, he was hard for him. Rashag became one of the Rebbe's, became the Rebbe's biggest chassid. In the beginning, he wanted to be a Rebbe, but he mamish was Ibn Yegeb. By the time Rashag died, he was a full-fledged chassid of the Rebbe. So he would look at the ceiling. Try going around in a circle looking at the ceiling. Within three revolutions, the room starts spinning the other way. After six revolutions, the room starts to spin like a cycle, a spin cycle in a while. So the Rebbe's covered was very short. Because Rashag would get dizzy. But then there was a few years, which I'll explain to the next group, that the Rashag wasn't there. And the Rebbe danced himself. And then the nicest Akaf, the longest Akaf, was the Rebbe's own. I will continue this with the next group. I'll be happy to give you a copy of it.